The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by my full complement of co-hosts, plus a guest. Very exciting. As above, so below, Nate Heininger. We are from Chicago, Laura. Peanuts! Get your peanuts here! <laughs> Shane. And we're joined this week by a guest, and I couldn't be more excited to have Kat Manning on the show. Thank you for joining us, Kat. Thank you so much for having me. Many strikes, one tiger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So if you're not familiar with Kat, Kat is a narrative designer currently working at Riot, uh, who is interested in procedural narrative and emergent storytelling. Uh, Kat left academia after her PhD work to work in games. She's also just an incredibly interesting person to follow on Twitter for her uh, for her narrative design ideas, which is really where I know most mostly know you from. Uh, following your Twitter, which is great, so thank you for all of the all of the tweets over the years. And um, you're welcome, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show, and I was so excited to have you here because you wrote an extremely good explainer about baseball. Baseball is our topic this week. And um, baseball is just uh, it's a cultural phenomenon. Yes. And for context, we did not just join a cult. Those were the... Uh, Didn't we? Did we not we just join, join a, a cult? cult? And those are the <laughs> mottos of our teams in our cult. <laughs> I kind of feel like we did a little bit. Like this is the closest I felt to joining a cult. In at least two or three years now. So, uh, but I couldn't be happier. I have the outfit or I'm making the outfit at least. So, you know, (laughs) the whole cult thing is really coming in strong. I almost don't know where to begin explaining what baseball is. Uh, and I, I probably should have thought about this before we started recording a podcast (laughs) about it. You you would, I'd like to pull out a little bit and, and look at why blazeball now. I mean, of (laughs) course, America needs blazeball more than we ever have. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, this is, you might think that Blazeball has been an American pastime for hundreds of years. Thousands. It always has and forever will. But in reality, you're probably thinking of a lesser known sport uh, called baseball, which has a similar mm. name. Um, and baseball boring. has been having a really tough season this year. I, I, I regret to inform our listeners that we are in the middle of a pandemic, um, which um, is is uh, just ripping through baseball clubhouses uh, across our fair nation. If I am the first person that's telling you about this pandemic, please seek additional sources uh, of news. <laughs> but yeah, the M- the Major League Baseball organization as a whole has not done the best with um, COVID-19. Um, Nate is our resident baseball expert, but I, 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 maybe you can say a little bit about how baseball has, itself has been doing, but uh, the failures of baseball stand out for me in stark contrast to many of the successes of the, uh, the NBA uh, that are going on right now. Um, so I know they shortened the baseball season and, and for a while it seemed like we might not have any baseball at all. And so I think that is why 
um, America needed um, its its new king of sports. It's not been great uh, as a real <laughs> as a as a real baseball fan. Uh, particularly, I uh, I live in St. Louis, so I uh, you know I, I was born I was born into. Uh, and enjoy supporting the St. Louis Cardinals, and which just so happened to be the team that was the most impacted by this. Uh, so, yeah, there's been a baseball-sized uh, hole in my heart for a little while now, and it's been rough. Uh, and baseball has helped fill that hole. That being said, I don't know how much of an actual crossover there is. I don't know that, uh, <laughs> that there's uh, – I, I, lo- I love the premise, Shane, but I have to imagine that the majority of people who are deep baseball fans are not necessarily uh, deep baseball fans. And, and maybe we should set up what baseball is. I, I get the sense that the creators of baseball – are big yes. baseball fans. I think so. Yes. I think so. Right now, sports is really weird. And there's like fake fans and the bleachers and like cardboard cutouts of things and there, uh, dogs. There are fake <laughs> green cardboard dogs in the, there's in fake the sounds. real, I mean, real baseball has sounds. never been more surreal. <laughs> it's, yes. it's a twin. The twins put giant heads in. It's super weird. It's super weird. And it turns out what it takes, what it takes for me uh, not a sports person to care about something is for it to be entirely online and have every game last about 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I'm super in and that's baseball. It's a lot weirder mm-hmm. than that, but it turns out like just taking baseball, making it run all day, every day simultaneously and making it short makes me so much more interested. <laughs> I've never been a fan of really any actual sports, not really ever really been interested. And I, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Um, I'm a milk toast dweeb and that's probably the biggest one. Uh, but the, uh, what, what's really been interesting about, about baseball is, you know, first of all, I found out about baseball about midway through season two, and it was pretty impenetrable to me at the time. Essentially what I was hearing on, mostly on Twitter and on a couple of podcasts was like, hey, there's this thing called Blaseball. It's like baseball, like fantasy internet baseball, but weird. Isn't that wild? You should check it out. And they share a couple of bizarre anecdotes that kind of bounced off of me and you know, without me really understanding what was going on. I didn't really get it. But when I finally started investigating it, I realized it's just doing an incredible job of like simulating the experience of being a fan of a thing mm-hmm. um, and, you know, creating a completely virtual, uh, almost barely simulated thing that you can become a fan of in a way that's really, really deep and interesting. And so, yeah, I, I, Kat, maybe you can talk about like your experience of finding Blaseball and like how, how you came to understand it. But I, I found it's just an extremely weird process of figuring this thing out. Yeah, for sure. It is a really weird process of figuring it out, which is one of the reasons um, I wrote The Explainer in the first place. Um, I had several friends who were telling me like, oh, I keep hearing about this, but I don't know where to start. And I was like, okay, I can either, you know, info dump a ton of information at you that is not going to actually get you invested in this in the way that I am invested in this, or I can throw the website at you and go, good luck. Uh and I wanted to sort of pick a third path and, and really kind of try and share that, that fan experience. Because I think you're right. It doesn't simulate a sport. It simulates watching a sport. It simulates mm-hmm. being a fan, being caught up with something. And I think uh, part of the reason it's so good at that is the fast pace of the games, right? It doesn't give you a lot of downtime to be disappointed or, frankly, to, to gloat too much or, or, or really to get caught up in one narrative. 
you're always looking for the next thing. You're always caught up. You're always, you know, invested in something else. Even if your team does really badly, you might be, you might just scroll down the page and it's like, oh, here's a major blowout win against a team that really annoys me. I love this. I'm really happy about <laughs> yeah. this. Um, not that that's ever happened. Screw those moist talkers. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be diplomatic. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I, I do love, I well, do when love you're a Tigers fan, others. you definitely have to be diplomatic. You have to be <laughs> Must be lonely yes. up there in your town. Yeah, it must be real, real lonely. I definitely was a little, a little much today with somebody when I was like, oh, what's party time? I've never been to party time. (laughs) For reference, party time is where you go when your team gets kicked out of the playoffs. Yes, when you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So I feel like before we explain the the details of party time, in order to contextualize it, we need to give a little more detail about like the actual mechanics of of baseball. And I think also important in that is like baseball and its discord, just in terms of like how the how the actual thing works, uh, apart from the larger fan experience and I'll do my best here but um, you know mm-hmm. p- feel free to jump in um, because I also don't know anything about baseball and also um, <laughs> came a little late to this thing but uh, the we kind yeah. of alluded to this earlier baseball is uh, fast-paced simulated baseball question quoted quotation marks uh, with a with a group of uh, of fictional teams and the teams are all wonderful they all have fantastic names uh, I almost sort of want to just read the list of names but we don't need to Please. all of them but I will I will definitely say there's a, a few of them include uh, well the Hades Tigers are uh, the top of the heap right now obviously. Um, and the New York Millennials. Uh, Shane and I, just based on geography, ended up backing the Houston Spies. Uh, uh, Nate, who are you uh, supporting? The Yellowstone Magic. Yellowstone Magic. Great choice. As above, so below. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, Laura? (laughs) Uh, Chicago Firefighters. Yes, but there's there's so many. There's the, the Hawaii Fridays, the Canada Moist Talkers, the Charleston Shoe Thieves. The the names are extremely evocative. And I think a big part of Blaseball's success is just like having evocative names for things. I think this is something like like the D&D guy in me really, really like picks up on is like if something has a good name, then it is an instant success. And everything yes. in Blaseball has good names. Yes. Have you ever seen the list of a, it was a Japanese baseball game that mm-hmm. had a list of baseball players that I think for the, at least the lore around it is it was like their best attempt at making American baseball names. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that. Uh, I, have. I know exactly what you're it's, talking about. It, it, it feels like baseball was heavily inspired by that game and that list of names. Classics like Sleeve McDykel, <laughs> Daryl Arkadeld. Uh, Glenn Allen Mixon, Tony or Bobson Dugnut, classic <laughs> American names. Blazeball <laughs> takes all of that and takes it up even a notch because like all of the players have incredibly heightened bizarre names, which we'll we'll get into our favorite players, I'm sure, at some point during this episode. But the everything is named incredibly wildly. Um, and then, of course, the actual interface is just it's the kind of thing where like if you went to CNN, not CNN.com, like ESPN.com and you were looking for like a ticker showing you of a, a actual baseball game that you couldn't actually watch while you were at work, you know, but you could watch the little ticker at the bottom of your screen while you're working on an Excel sheet. That interface is all that baseball gives you. It gives you uh, okay. every game. Uh, playing simultaneously in a little ticker that just gives you incredibly fast-paced 
baseball action where an entire game takes place over the course of about 20 to 30 minutes. And then something uh, occasionally something incredibly bizarre will happen, like an incineration on the field. (laughs) Or two players will swap in feedback. I was trying to explain this to a coworker who was like... First, I, your I, first mistake. Well, <laughs> well, okay, I work for a game company and okay. I tried to explain this to my very online coworker um, who thought I'd just been mispronouncing baseball all week. Um, <laughs> and he was like, I guess you got into sports. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I showed him the site and he was just like, but nothing weird was happening at the time. And he was like, you are just sports betting. <laughs> And then please, I him, please tell me that he said, well, actually, it's pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Missed. it all wrong. Oh, that would have been amazing. Um, no, he just, he was like, I think you're just sports betting. And then I showed him, oh, but there's a shop tab and there's an election tab. Mm. And then he noticed the ticker said, like, in memoriam of so many. And he was like, okay, <laughs> I get that there might be something else weird happening. <laughs> I, I will say real quick as a as a credit to the simulation, uh, I, I spend as as an actual baseball fan, I spend a lot of time uh, watching like basically exactly this of real baseball games. I I play in a bunch of fantasy baseball leagues, so it's helpful for me to watch. Like I'll, I'll try to follow like six, seven, eight games going at the same time. Uh, and one thing that struck me really early on this is outside of all the the silliness. I actually was like kind of getting into the games in the same way that I get into like actual baseball games and like following the pitches, following like what's happening on the bases as best you can in this. It's a pretty good little simulation. And then you actually start to dig in and you see their like their stats are like vibe and things like that, which I think we'll talk about. But uh, I I was really impressed that how much they actually did. a, a It's simple, but a good job of emulating just regular baseball games. They have the right level of granularity. Um, There's enough detail so that you can actually like sink into if you want to, but you also aren't required to. Like, I don't need to, it's not going to tell me exactly. You actually can't find out who's playing what outfield position, uh, at least as far as I know. Mm -hmm. Maybe Mm -hmm. you can click somewhere, but uh, I I, I just don't think you can know. I imagine eventually they're going to add, like, you you, we've already started talking about the fan involvement here, but some fans are starting to collect all the stats of individual players, which you can't even see. That was one thing that I was mm-hmm. like, I really wanted to see, you know, as th- that's just part of baseball is look at what's their batting average. What, how many home runs have they hit and things like that. You don't even have access to that. You just can see like what's happening right now and how many wins and how many losses you have. So it wouldn't surprise me if eventually they start to add that stuff because they do seem to actually want to make the the game, the baseball game be real and then just everything around it be ridiculous. One of the things I find really interesting about stats uh, in baseball versus baseball is that baseball stats are always kind of um, backwards focused. Uh, They look at what a player has done Mm -hmm. uh, routinely uh, in past seasons during this season. Um, And it's an average of of how things have been as predicting the future. Uh, And in baseball, uh, I, I suppose you could follow a player all season and record everything they do. Uh, but essentially, baseball stats, if you query the API, you know, you get the numbers, you get the likelihood of the future, which itself is not a guarantee of anything. Um, but I find that really interesting that like what we have access to in each game, in one of them, it's backward looking. And in one of them, it's forward looking and mostly random. And, and yeah. I, I find that really exciting. I really I, I love that point, too. I mean, in baseball, there's a whole industry that is doing their best to try to predict what's happening with yeah. sabermetrics and whatnot. But yeah, that's all mm-hmm. that you actually have. 
and this. And that was something I keep thinking about too, is, you know, we, we've talked about you, you bet on in this game. Uh, and whenever you're betting, you, you see like the magic have a 67% chance to win. The moist talkers have a 33% chance to win. You can bet on which side you think is going to win. And I was thinking like in real sports, that number is created off of like assumptions, right? Like mathematicians are out there like, well, these real humans are going to play each other. And we think it's like a roughly a 67, 33 split, but in this it's actually like created math. And they're saying, no, literally this team has a 67% chance to win because of the way that they're, generated stats matchup. And I, yeah. I think that's just really, really interesting. It's still, you know, there's there's as many upsets as there are non, but it it just it it does. It flips everything and you don't have to think about it as like as random as real sports, but at the same time it's incredibly random because it's just math generating over and over and over and over. Something I want to say about that though is that like you'd think that a game quote unquote, that involved you logging into a website, seeing a thing that says this team has 66% chance to win. Which team do you want to bet on? Like, and that's pretty much the entirety of your interaction with the game for most situations is like, I'm going to bet on the team that has a 60% chance to win instead of the other team that has less than that. You'd think that was extremely like that would, that sounded really boring to me when I first heard about it. When I first heard about Blaze Ball, mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what was going to be interesting or fun about this, even with the slight weirdness of the like things showing up on the ticker and some of the weird stuff that seemed to be happening in the games. That didn't really quite seem like it covered it, right? It didn't make it a compelling thing. What made it compelling to me was bringing up the game side by side with the Discord Every so the way they've run their Discord, I think, is very very smart. Every team has a a couple of channels in their Discord, but basically this game is the Discord in some sense. And and you know you'd pull up the I pull up the game and pull up the Discord watch party channel for my spies team side by side, and I'm watching the action happen on the on the web browser. You know, seeing what happens with the spies, and every single play, people are going nuts in the Discord. You know, cheering for their their favorite players, uh, sharing details about those players. Something about this that you know, of every player, you know, there's this sort of like fan headcanon about like who these players are and what their deal is. And that's all in a wiki, and that is interesting to go pour through, but actually the way that I mostly accumulated knowledge about my team was just by hanging out in chat with other players, and you know, when a, when a player steps up to bat, somebody will post a good piece of fan art of that player, or, or say something cool about that player, and the, the sort of like narration of like a collaborative fan narration of this incredibly simple uh, game was what really yeah. sort of pushed it over the edge into something that like made it really riveting for me. Yeah. So one example from Chicago firefighters is that um, we have last season, we were the worst in the league. And then at the end of the season, we got a lot of blessings, which are basically, uh, if you want to talk more like involvement in the game, you get to actually vote at the end of every season on things you want to change in the game. You can have a direct impact. Um, So these blessings on our team gave us this incredibly super powered pitcher named Axel Trollolol. (laughs) <laughs> who traded onto our team and so he good. was a truck on the previous team had him as a car, like some kind of like Edsel thing with arms. Um, and of course he gets traded to Chicago firefighters. What does he become? A fire truck. And <laughs> he's also gifted with an arm cannon, which they decided is the fire hose. So now every time Axel Trollolol is posting, not only are there jokes about like whatever he gets of a run, it's because he's tired 
Um, Mm -hmm. But also like just lots of shots of like fire hoses going off. Um, There's a, someone has Photoshopped a fire truck with um, an arm cannon that's shooting water and a beer in the other fake arm. (laughs) It says, we are from Chicago. I have always been a fire truck. (laughs) And it's one of the best pictures. It's actually the wiki picture now for Axel Trollol. But all of this emerged. I didn't know about this. I didn't go on the site and learn. I picked Chicago firefighters because I'm from Chicago in real life. (laughs) I figured it would work. Um, And then... uh, over time, this like picture of the fire truck just emerged, and now I speak of it like, oh yeah, Axel's of, of course, Axel Trollolo is a fire truck. That you know that information. That, so uh, somehow yeah. the team, uh, everyone collaboratively, collaboratively on the Discord, yeah. just sort of yes anded this name, which is all you get from the game. This 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 like pretty pretty simple name, and that's it. Uh, everyone sort of collaboratively decided that that was that he was a fire truck because that was funny and interesting and fit the theme and vibe of the team. And they just talk about it like it's true. And if you're a newcomer, you just accept it and move mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. But it, there's also an element of like, if I want to add something to the the tale of Axel Trollolo, uh, I can do that by sort of just saying it in the discord. And if people find it amusing and they decide they like it, it sort of becomes part of the general team, you know, speak. Yeah, and like I think one of the, uh, the other interesting things about baseball is that, um, at least uh, in, in a lot of spaces I've seen, there's kind of this um, deliberate making room for a multiplicity of headcanons. Mm, yeah. Um, so uh, Yasmin Mason uh, is my favorite player. Um, she is uh, one of our, our pitchers on the Hades Tigers, and she's a deer. Um, I don't know when people noticed she was a deer, uh, but she's a deer. <laughs> And uh, part of the issue is she, she used to be a terrible pitcher. And I, I guess that was because she had hoofs. Very hard to pitch with hoofs. That, uh, nearly impossible, I would argue. I, I you know, we thought so. Uh, so we voted for, for the pseudo-thumbs blessings uh, so that, you know, she would get pseudo-thumbs and be able to pitch with hoofs. Um, that didn't end up happening. Something much more interesting happened, uh, which uh, we can get to later. But one of the things that's interesting is sometimes Yaz is drawn with horns and sometimes she isn't. And... There isn't really an issue if you want to draw Yaz with horns uh, or if you don't. Um, both Yaz's are, exist within the space of Yasmin, Mason, the deer. I guess you could draw Yaz as not a deer. I don't know why you would. But, you know, <laughs> if, if, if there is, I think, this space for people to say, like, ah, I'm just going to be really quiet over here in my corner of the sandbox with my headcanon and not disrupt other people if, you know, that's for some reason not driving. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. There is that space that's sort of like, okay, the, the, the collaborative is canonized and that's great, but it's also not enforced in a certain way mm-hmm. um, that I think is really, really important and allows for this kind of like yes and play. I think that if you, you canonize the, uh, a certain aspects, it would be harder to kind of riff on that in ways that really get exciting um, in the sense of like, you know, Axel wasn't a fire truck before he came to Chicago, but now he is. And that's great because there is that capaciousness for it um, and, and for constant evolution and for constantly sort of like going back and saying, oh, hmm, what if we tweak this? The other thing is that's really great is people do not make changes to other people's headcanons without asking, mm-hmm. um, which I think is hugely important. Um, I've seen numerous occasions of people being like, hey, do we know who edited this thing on the Wikipedia? I have an idea. The Discord likes it. 
I don't want to change it before I get their explicit buy-in. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's one of the best things about Blazeball and the Blazeball. Yeah, and those norms have sort of immu- emerged from the community, but they've also been yes. been sort of reinforced by the developers who've taken a pretty light mm-hmm. hand with the uh, you know, the the um the narrative side of Blazeball and we could talk a little bit about yeah. the ways in which the developers have kind of tried to guide or influence or or yeah. or jazz up the narrative of Blazeball, but mostly that's been that's been a a community effort. Um, but they yes. have ex- explicitly said in tweets and other places, I think too, that, that their feeling is that the, uh, that all, all canons about the, the, the players are valid. There is no individual canon. There's no devs approved canon. There's no community manager for a team deciding what, uh, you know, what is and is not canon. Um, and so that does leave a lot of room. Realities as infinite as tacos. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, two quick thoughts. So one, you know, you're right that everyone can have their own headcan, and I love that. Except for there is one rule, which Francisco Preston is in fact everyone's dad. So that's just that's a real thing that you need to know. <laughs> uh, that one is not up for debate. He is everyone's dad. Uh, and then do yeah, I got in on the uh, I got in on the. Uh, fan art side of this i figured that would be a fun way for me to try and participate and so i started by drawing a uh baseball a blazeball player based on my favorite baseball player hunter pence and uh i hadn't decided until i was finishing it up uh which blazeball player i was drawing uh at which point reagan suggested that it might be son scotch uh (laughs) who is everyone's son um and uh he doesn't look very much like my actual son but but there we go i just added a speech bubble to the drawing that says hi dad and well you your go. son is still very young uh <laughs> one thing that i i think is is great too is that like you were talking about the you go to the uh you go to the discord and it's a ton of people and they're like hanging on every thread of every single play every time someone comes at bat mm-hmm. it's just everyone saying their name over and over and over it's fun that is nearly identical to being a fan of a sport on Twitter or any other place that yes. people get together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is that is what I do with. I, I don't tweet that much, but I'm constantly looking at it. Everyone is following real life baseball games at that same level, uh, but on baseball, it would be like in the middle of a game, someone being like. Yeah, uh, uh, Yadier Molino has tornado arms, and, and, then, and, and just just everyone's like, "Oh yeah, well, of, of course. course he has. Torn- of course you know. he does. Have and you then, seen him, bitch? Like, what a player!" Yeah, right. And then just the rest of the existence of that baseball game, and maybe just forever, he would have tornado arms. Yeah, baby Ehrlich yeah. keeps going back and forth between being an actual baby and being like a baby Ruth, like large man who's the size of a baby. Like no one can decide on the size, but it depends on. Whether or not he or she is walking, <laughs> can I can I interrupt to celebrate for a moment? Yes, yes. We, uh, please. I've been quiet. Cat, I I am so excited uh, to have just glanced at my browsers and I want browser window and I want to let you know that season four is over. Your champions are the Hades Tigers. Woo! Woo-hoo! Round of applause for the Hades Tigers. 
This is ridiculous. Uh, I am, I, I'm delighted. Could you tell us a little bit about the season that the Tigers have had this year? We need to talk a little bit about, I think actually a good a good look into the madness of baseball is the story of the Hades Tigers. They're probably yes. the, they're the Yankees of, of, the Yankees. Uh, of baseball. And they've had some really dramatic they stuff. they just cost me 160, do- 160 <laughs> tickets too. I don't I know why you bet on finals games. You, <laughs> you, you know, I don't know why either. I'm addicted Okay, yes, I just got to get fair. my money in there. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, Kat, if you wouldn't mind just sort of like give us the story of. Because I mean, I don't know if we could get into yes. every moment, but like, give us the story of the no, Hades I Tigers. I, I think it does also run into most of the giant events in baseball history. So yeah. this might be a good like all four weeks of it. All four weeks of it. Listen, during the pandemic, every week is a month, uh, and that, and every month is a year. Therefore, you know, baseball's been going on for four hundred years, and that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, first of all, I do have to give a disclaimer since we've just won two seasons in a row. I Rub it in. Much, Get over yourself. Like, Come on. <laughs> I you can gloat. This is how everybody reacts to the tires. Um, yeah, no, yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've real made the cool. Yankees comparison before, and, and I think it is fair, um, both because – uh, uh, the Tigers are a historically, for certain values of historical, uh, dominant <laughs> team. Uh, but also because there are a lot of people who go, ooh, they look strong. They're winning. They talk a lot about their lore. Things happen to them and, and, and want to support them. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked the Hades Tigers because as a former classicist, I could not. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. I know. So I love it. I love I absolutely, it. I was like, oh, Hades Tigers never look back. Okay. This is my team now. That's too good. Um, it's too good. It's so good. Yeah, it was too good. Uh-huh. Um, so no, no shade on bandwagon fans, but you know, shade on bandwagon fans. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so I actually joined relatively late in terms of baseball. I jumped on, uh, between seasons two and seasons three. Mm-hmm. Um, the pies had just won, um, the season two championship. And, um, I believe right after that, uh, uh, we had been, the Hades Tigers had received Jessica telephone in, uh, blessings. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd been, she previously, uh, she had been a, a player on the, in season one, she was a player on the Dallas stakes. Uh, and then she was boosted to a five-star player, uh, and then immediately traded uh, the pies. The yeah, pies. I thought I, I, that particular moment, like, just really like it's shows so the good. wild nature of the of the election p- portion of baseball yes. because there's all these blessings that you can vote for to try to claim those blessings for your team, and yeah. she got. The, the the stakes got the blessing to max out their pitcher. And so she got yes. all of her stats absolutely maxed out. She is, I'm pretty sure the still, I'm pretty sure the most powerful player in baseball. I'm not sure if that's, that's actually not true. Really? And that's, what's really interesting about it. I, oh. I can get to that. She's mechanically not the most powerful uh, player in baseball Fascinating. because when we thought we were going to lose her uh, in the blessing, uh, in, in the blessing exchange at the end of last season, we actually lost, um, God, uh, is it Nagomi Meng? We lost somebody else. I, I can't remember who we lost off the top of my head. Um, no, because Nagomi's still... Uh, you might want to drop that. We'll see. Um, I, I can't remember who we lost, but... Nagomi uh, Daniel? Yes. Um, we lost her because she actually was mechanically slightly stronger than Jessica Telephone. And everybody went, wait a second, what? Because the narrative is that Jessica Telephone is the most dominant baseball player. Um but and and I think in a lot of ways she is like I think I, I think her record is probably better, but stats wise, Nagomi was in fact better, which again is absolutely fascinating. 
Um, and so Jessica has kind of emerged as this uh, wandering figure uh, uh, who sort of uh, jumps, although that would sort of imply that this is her choice. Again, some fans think so, some fans don't. Uh, t- uh, from team to team, um, depending on on uh, uh, the randomness of the blessings and other events. So um, at the end of season two, uh, she had just clinched a championship for the Pies uh, and then was traded uh, to the Hades Tigers. Um, we had a pretty good lineup before that, um, but with, between Jessica and uh, Landry Violence and a um, couple other really strong players, I believe one of our pitchers, uh, who's again, whose name I'm blanking on, was very strong. We ended up with a really, really, really strong, powerful team and uh, with a very strong record going into the season three playoffs. And something that has to be said about season three, um, well, I should go back actually and talk about how when the book was opened, the forbidden book, which was one so of the important. decrees. Yes. Uh, yeah, that happened at the, was that the, the end of season one? That was the end of season one. So what was the game before that? Was it just normal before? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, hmm, that's actually a really good question. Um, oh, I, I do want to say the, the, the opening of the Forbidden Book, that is actually a direct corollary to real baseball. That's just something that they copied straight. It happened in 1986 in real baseball. and uh, Yeah, and the incineration, a lot, it, was, it was a real mess. Yeah. But that was a direct <laughs> copy. So. Yeah, so, so I mean, I'm coming at this, I think all of us are coming at this having not played in bla- any of, you know, not, not followed baseball during season one. But as I understand yes. it, um, uh, during season one, one of the options on the table in the election was open the forbidden book. And if you're playing a video game that says you can vote to mm-hmm. open the forbidden book, everyone is going to do that. Of course. And they did. So they voted for that and it added a new tab to the top of the website just says book. So you've got your league tab for seeing the actual games, the shop tab, the election tab, and there's the book tab. It oh, it added the book tab that lets you go in and look at the rule book for baseball. Some of it is intelligible because it tells you important things about baseball, like, for example, how the shame rule works, which is a weird quirk of baseball that's different from regular baseball. Um, but a lot of it is uh, is weirdly redacted with lots of blackout text in the most evocative, weird way you can imagine. Um, I don't know if we here, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up here. Um, uh, I'll just, the very first thing, each season of baseball shall last, shall last 99 games in the case of redacted, redacted seasons shall redacted, 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 like, and the whole thing is like that. There's these mysterious gaps in the rule book. So there's clearly stuff going on in the world of baseball that we don't know, but because we, the, 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 the fans of baseball opened the forbidden book that also caused the gods of baseball, according to the Twitter account for the commissioner, as far as I understand it, to get angry with the fans and they released rogue umpires into the game. And what that means mechanically is that occasionally uh, during certain weather conditions, which are listed as it is solar eclipses, right during solar eclipses. Thank you. Um, if certain conditions that are not expelled out are, are met, a player on your team may be incinerated by a rogue umpire, which kills them irrevocably. Um, and that's, I mean, pretty wild uh but like that's just the sort of thing that happens in baseball apparently and and it seems like the way that this game is structured they're kind of planning to introduce and perhaps retire weird stuff like that 
as the game progresses, um, maybe based on the elections like the Forbidden Book, but maybe maybe not. Like uh, there's other events that have happened. We can, you were you were kind of telling the tale of the tigers. Maybe maybe as part of that, we can explain also the Grand Unslam, which is a yes. another pretty important <laughs> uh, moment in baseball history uh, that also had a had an effect on the game. But anyway, sorry. Let's get back to the story of the tigers. Sure, but yeah, we we definitely should touch on the Grand Unslam because it's it's one of the most important events of season three. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, to talk about sort of what happens in season three, we really have to, to realize that the incinerations really were stepped up. I want to say there were 17 incinerations in season two and there were 27 in season three. There were that many, which, jeez. Yeah. Um, I, I could have the numbers wrong. but It is that's, the discipline era. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is the discipline era. Yes, we are in the discipline era. Um, we also, uh, season two's decree was just peanuts, peanuts. Um, and then, uh, uh, peanut blasphemy occurred, uh, which, which was sort of, uh, difficult in which the peanut would appear on the website, uh, when the website would occasionally go down, which was a brilliant, brilliant move, which, which we can talk about later, the way that, um, actual real world, our world events, uh, get integrated into the game's lore, uh, to make them much more satisfying instead of frustrating, um, as in the peanut will come in uh, on the website and yell at you and tell you that you've blasphemed um, and, and that you must repent. Yeah, but in real life, so there was peanut weather and it would rain pe- peanuts and people, players would eat them and it would either give them an allergic reaction or they would get yummy and get stat boost and then everyone could eat peanuts, like the players could buy and eat peanuts. And some, in real life, someone hacked the site and gave themselves yep. a ton of peanuts and the devs found out and... Then in game, the peanut god got very angry and declared a strike two. Strike one is opening the forbidden book. Strike two is the peanut fraud. Peanut fraud. And we are don't know what strike three does. Nope. Yeah. I also just love that this the type of community and the type of people that this is attracting, the person who actually broke into and gained access to this game in this system just gave themselves a whole bunch of peanuts. <laughs> Which do nothing. I would also like to say, though, that somebody else who, d- who discovered the exploit, uh, will not uh, will not be named, um, found the exploit and alerted the devs immediately. So they didn't even give themselves a whole bunch of peanuts or coins. They just yeah. said, huh, this seems like an issue. I will raise this. That's Good. even Good. better. They didn't blaspheme. They just <laughs> they did not blaspheme, mm-hmm. and I would like us all to appreciate this mysterious figure. Mm-hmm. Praise the mysterious figure. Um, so, um, yeah, explain. So we we've we've talked through up through about season three. Um, what's been happening with the Hades Tigers and Jessica Telephone this season? Right. Yes. Um, sorry. So Jessica Telephone helped us win our last championship um, amidst uh, the incineration of Landry violence uh, by the coward road empire. <laughs> Do it for yeah, violence. That was so painful. <laughs> Rest in violence, man. Um, that was, that was, that was really uh, uh, intense because it was, uh, I believe, was it the semifinal or the final? I'm blanking on this right now, but it was, it was just a really intense game in which uh, the Tigers had not had any incinerations up until that point. and believe they were the only team to have been spared incineration over the course of both seasons two and seasons three. And just in that game, uh, a rogue empire incinerated Landry violence and their, their spirit uh, was, uh, disseminated outwards and then inhabited the the body of Paula Turnip, as I understand it, 
who then uh, immediately came up and with Jessica Telephone uh, just, you know, did their best and, and won the game. Um, this is, this is my memory of that. Uh, and so Jessica was, uh, between Jessica and Paula, again, I could have this wrong. Uh, I don't remember Paula's batting record. Uh, but it felt immediately like she was an important part of the team. Mm -hmm. Um, it just was really, really crucial to having her there as a replacement for Landry, um, who we then decided uh, had been uh, an incorporeal spirit that occasionally inhabited people and now is hanging out above our stadium uh, just as as the spirit of violence, uh, which is really good. Um, well, so Jessica uh, uh, carried, uh, I don't, I don't want to say carried us, we had a lot of good players, but, but was instrumental in that victory and then was instrumental uh, in the early part of season four um, in terms of carrying the Tigers as high as they were in the standings. Um, and then in a game with the Pies, we discovered what feedback did. Oh, uh, God. And I think, and, and that's how we lost Jessica. Yeah, I want to explain about feedback real quick, yes, too, because let's go back to the, the number one, th- so the thing that I put all of my votes for at the end of season three was mm-hmm. uh, player interviews. Which sounded Same. it sounded very innocuous. It's like it, it it didn't sound like it would have any mechanical effect. I was expecting, fully expecting, that player interviews would be a way that the devs would add flavor to the game by perhaps, let's say, for example, Chatbots. putting in blurbs that the players would give us uh, in their own voices or something along those lines at the end of a game. Well, you know, we do now get to read their soul screams. We do, yeah, um, and we know so. their pregame rituals, which I think is very important. Yes, very important stuff, although not things. directly related to the uh, the thing that we all voted for. We all voted, or merely all, I think a lot of people voted for uh, player interviews. But instead of that having the effect that we all expected, it meant that a ominous microphone started appearing on the, the website and the uh, and occasionally a new weather condition occurred called feedback, uh, like microphone feedback, not like like people giving feedback. And uh, and when there is feedback, occasionally something can happen where players swap teams uh, unexpectedly in the middle of a game as it is underway. And um, that happened to a bunch of teams this time. And probably the biggest upset was the Jessica telephone swap. She swapped back mm-hmm. from the uh, from the Hades Tigers to her former team, the Philly Pies, which I was really surprised by. I could not believe when I saw that on Twitter. I was like, oh my God, Jessica Telephone moved again. I'm sure yeah, things the, went nuts for the for the Tigers fans. The developers were like, you all voted for player interviews. Don't you know that player interviews are like the most boring part of any part, any sporting event? <laughs> they all say, they all say the exact same thing after every we single game. We tried hard. We played yep. our best. You know, we Thanks to Jesus early, Christ. Uh, you know, we showed up early. We stayed late. You know, I just got a great group of guys around me. You know, they're all just giving it. They're all, uh, it's that a hundred percent of the <laughs> time. So us. players saw so yeah, so player swaps is way more interesting than actual player interviews. <laughs> I like how it, it does seem to be integrated, though, especially like the the appearance of the mic, because uh, somebody mentioned the Grand on Slam earlier, mm-hmm. which was a really, really important event um, in season three. Um, Reagan, do you want to uh, bring us up to speed on that? Okay, one? I'll do my best, but maybe other folks can. So it, 
now I wasn't, I wasn't actually paying close attention at the time that this occurred. I heard about it all after the fact. So I, yeah. I may not have a full proper picture here. From what I understand, the Grand Unslam was essentially a bug that occurred in the game during, now this is, this is the, uh, the, the reality text of it. There's also the, the fan meta text of it. But the, the, uh, the event that actually occurred was, uh, there was a Grand Slam hit in an extremely long game between, I believe it was the LA, uh, talk. Thieves and the, and the and yeah the yeah. the Charleston shoe thieves and the LA tacos and um something really strange happened I believe it crashed the site and I know the yeah and I I know the after effects of it were that which team was it that became all the same player. Ah, that would have been the tacos. The tacos, oh, right? Yes, Wyatt Mason. Wyatt, yeah. The so, Wyatt so Mason when the, the when the site came back up after after the crash, all of the players on the LA team were named Wyatt Mason, which is the weirdest freaking thing, and I love it so much. And then the uh, it was decided. I'm not sure entirely whether this came from the devs or from the uh, or from the the community, but it was decided that that the grand slam that sparked this event was a massive grand slam that split LA into an infinite number of parallel Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. This was the this was the commissioner. This was this was absolutely the um the game itself. Um uh, the the error appeared as the grand unslam weakened the bridge. Yes, yeah. And so the uh, the the end result of all of this was, I believe, eventually the the players all got their names back. Uh, they were no longer well, all Wyatt Mason. They they there were a lot of what's, extra Wyatt. I see. <laughs> so what's what's great about it is that there was localization um, to a certain degree, further or closer to Wyatt Mason and their original name. I see. And I so see. some people got a lot closer to their original name pre Wyatt Mason, and some people you know, stay at part Mason or part Wyatt or, I love you it. Know, I love syllables. it. It was fantastic. And this was not the first time that that localization came into, because my favorite thing about the peanuts is that every instance of <laughs> yes. Dan was replaced by peanut. So yeah, you get normal, like peanut Thompson or something, but also Daniel became peanut <laughs> <laughs> And those names have stuck. And that's, so name changes are nothing new. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the, the other final uh, result of this that I still really love is that because it's no longer a single LA, it is unlimited LAs. They're no longer the LA tacos. They are the unlimited tacos. And who doesn't want yes. unlimited tacos? So um, I, I like that very much. I love that there's a mix with the teams between real places like the uh, the Chicago firefighters and uh, fictional or we hope fictional places like the uh, the Hades uh, Tigers and also things like unlimited tacos from the multiversal L.A. Yeah, part of what part of what made me choose Yellowstone Magic is I just really liked the idea of a national park having mm-hmm. a professional sports team. It's so good. I love it. I love it so Aren't much. None of your players human. I think it's delightful. Oh yeah, you, there's a wolf. There's there's all sorts of different. Uh, it yeah, it's, I, it's I've I've had a hard time, frankly, keeping up with everything <laughs> and all of the art. Uh, I, I missed. I had like a really busy three days this the middle of season mm-hmm. four that pulled me away from baseball. And when I returned, I was like, mm-hmm. what, "What has happened? It, everything is different." But I think that's part of the. Joy. That's baseball. That's baseball. Yeah, that's sports, man. Yeah. Can I? Uh, I want to briefly talk about. We, we mentioned the Grand Slam, but um, yeah. Uh, to me, that one of the most notable things about the game is 
uh, how people roll with the downtime and bugs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's in beta. It's mm-hmm. a game that has so much more attention than anyone probably thought it would. And whenever there's downtime, they call siesta. <laughs> and, uh, and everyone kind of just posts little emojis of people in bed. And uh, then it says, wake up, play ball. Um, we've had a couple extra siestas this round. I don't know if that's normal. But um, mm-hmm. the, the best I've seen, the best bug that's become a meme happened today mm-hmm. um, during a firefighters versus millennial game in the semifinals. Oh, that was an incredibly uh, tight and really <laughs> tense game oh, when this happened. Super tense. And, yes. And then the game freezes on the phrase, Thomas Dracona hit a ground out to Edric Tosser. And that phrase has been repeated about 4,000 times today. It just stopped um. there for a while. And while it was stopped, the Discord was going nuts because it was such a such a high-intensity <laughs> moment. And it just this freeze frame on this incredibly high, um, uh, like incredibly tense moment in the game. Uh, Thomas Dracina hit a ground out to Edric Tosser, was just getting spammed in the chat in all kinds of weird-looking mm-hmm. text. People were making memes. People were Someone's making made gifts. An honest-to-God line of cut <laughs> yes it's beautiful somebody did a, 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 a this is just to say version oh, of course <laughs> oh Lord. Uh, but yeah everyone's i wouldn't say they're like happy about the downtime but like people are making the most of it and they've made it part of yes. war and it, it's a very friendly like and, and people like yelling the commissioner is doing a great job and they're not being sarcastic about it. It's just the kind commissioner of is doing that. a great job. The commissioner is doing a great job. The commissioner is um, doing a great job. The grand, the the un, the grand unslam did such an incredible job of sort of setting the the player expectation that like when the game screws up, wonderful things are going to happen based on yeah. those screw ups. And so when you see the game screw up, when the game freezes on Thomas Dracina hit a ground out to Edric Tosser, you're not thinking. And then what happened? Ugh, the site is bugged. You're thinking like, mm-hmm. why is What's Thomas Dracina hitting a ground out to Edric Tosser for 30 minutes? What is happening mm-hmm. here? Did time freeze? It, did Edric Tosser go back in time? Is Thomas Dracina hitting the longest ground out in all of human history? Like, what's happening here? Yes, and all of yeah. the above. All of the above. Every yes. one of those things so, you said. Is so it's happened. not just Most a meme games. of like, let's make fun of the fact that the game isn't working. It's, it's a moment where everyone's collectively noticing that something's wrong and can't wait to find out what that means in the context of baseball at large. Yeah. And I think it's really crucial uh, to not distinguish that from uh, another, another kind of uh, site downtime thing that happened earlier on Friday, Mm. but to, to put it in the context of we're all so invested in the narrative momentum of moments like that, that it just gets really exciting to find out like what is going to happen next, what is going to, to have that effect. Um, there was another one that was actually really difficult when the site, um, uh, I believe the site crashed, mm. but also data was overwritten or lost in some way. Something happened with the data tables as far as I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I had a note about that, that I think had a, uh, I think was partially a quote from the, at least somebody on the discord who seemed like they knew what they were doing. And I'm not sure if that's, mm-hmm. that's correct. It was, um, on Friday afternoon, uh, the database got rolled back about eight hours 
So, um, so starting at about, so from about 2 AM, uh, so all of that day's betting and voting activity was erased. And, um, you know, uh, what followed was a siesta lasting a couple of hours. So the site was down Mm -hmm. for a pretty extended period of time. And then to, when they brought the site back online, they had to roll back to, I presume their most recent backup, which was 2 AM. So, um, their way of making up for that was they, uh, the commissioner doubled the number of coins that everyone had had at 2 a.m. Pacific time and then gave everyone five votes for free, um, which, yeah. you know, that is the kind of thing that, like, you do expect with beta games. Um, but, like, if yeah. this was, like, let's say, like, Destiny or something <laughs> and everybody lost mm-hmm. lost a day's worth of progress on their their guardians, people would be not happy, right? But like people yeah. took it pretty much in stride. That has happened to me, and I was not happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and the people I was gonna who say. are unhappy are—I wouldn't say they're being schooled by the Discord, but the Discord is teaching the people who are complaining. The Discord was like, "No, no, this is this is, embrace it." I, I, I allow you it. to be mad, but like this is part of a bigger story. And people who yes. I who are like, "Oh, the site is super buggy," they're like, "That's." You are part of the community who likes that. Like, get on board. It's like, this This site is buggy. Yeah, dog, it rules. <laughs> yep. The bugs are a feature, not a bug. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you're getting upset that you lost all your blaze ball bets, you may need to reset <laughs> your priorities. You're on the wrong and, game. Yeah, we're <laughs> in a pandemic. <laughs> if this game ever leaves beta, I'll be sorely disappointed. <sighs> same. Yeah. Absolutely same. It's going to It would be funny if it goes into, like, beta... 2.0 or something like Diana. that. This always stays yeah. in beta. I just wanted to go through all the Greek letters. Yeah. <laughs> Finally goes from beta to alpha. I mean, I wrote that it was really strong dedication to everything that goes wrong. All those server issues, all those complaints are part of lore. And if you don't yes. like that, this is not the game for you. Yeah. And, and that's why I wanted to draw attention to uh, the rollback featuring kind of an in-game reward of, of currency doubling and, and, and extra votes because that is the degree to which a, a mistake has to happen before it's like, okay, we have to make it up to the player base. Otherwise, it's like, hell yeah, the site went down. What weird shit is going to happen from this? Oh, sorry, can we swear on this? Yes, it's fine. Go yes. for it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to say we like seeing the site go down, but it is narratively a net positive. And we've seen it work so well in the past and be so narratively satisfying, if not mechanically satisfying, that... I trust the devs at this point to make that feel okay. Yeah. And and the community too, because like, yes, yes, the devs kind of like, uh, put together the, the details of what the grand on slam was, but like, there's so much of that that was just bubbled up from the community and having enthusiasm for like something weird happened. I love it. Like, I want to know more about it. I want to make up more about it so that then I know more about it. Like I love it. Yeah. And the site going down too is just, Almost from from my understanding, basically just you know the whole the whole hug of death, right? It's like too many people going to the site, yep. and that's fun too. You know, it's fun to see people make weird shit and it go well. You know, so yeah. like when the yeah. site goes down, it's like, oh man, it's getting too too popular. Oh no, like no, it's great. We should be happy that they have to slow down and and probably buy more server space and and and, and just make it more reliable because there's so many people going on to watch Jessica telephone, hopefully not get incinerated by the gods. Yes. I am so happy that like those moments happen from a purely selfish standpoint, because I'm pretty much hanging out in the firefighters channel, the watch party for the firefighters. I'm hanging out with my team. 
we're talking about our team members, our lore, our background. Mm -hmm. And when something like the site goes down, we start popping into the other channels. We go to the main watch channel. We go to the commissioner. Like it's, it's kind of taking us out of our little tribal bubble and we start hanging out in the fan works. Like that's when I've dipped into the larger lore and that's when I've kind of talked to other people. And I, I, it's almost like if there weren't incinerations, if there weren't big events, if there wasn't trades forcing us, I would just kind of be paying only attention to firefighters, Twitter, firefighters, discord. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to talk through some of like, we don't need to go into a whole bunch of detail here because, you know, we, it's, we've already been talking for an hour, but I want to talk a little bit about some of the events of season four. We've touched on some of them, um, but like season four was the first season that I've spent uh, a really significant amount of time uh, hanging out in the game. Like season three, I followed, but I was, yeah. I was not like really in it the way that I really was this season, season four, which just concluded. And, um, this season was was pretty wild. Uh, it started off with the ominous peanut on the on the homepage speaking to us, and then you know rolled right into the uh, the, the first day of games, and the the the, the period uh, the period between when we when the when the game started and when we started figuring out what feedback did what the what the uh, the the um, player interviews thing that was voted for in the previous season actually mechanically did was really electric because first of all, the games were really good. There were some really interesting ha- games happening. It was fun to keep that open in a browser tab while I was working and keep tabs on, on what was happening. But then when sort of news started trickling in from games, I wasn't following like, Oh my God, feedback happened to us, whatever that means. And we lost our star player. Like wild, really, really wild to see that happen. And it's really fun to see that happen in full time, in in real time, particularly when you're part of a larger discord where that's kind of being discussed really fast. It tickles my funny bone that the first player to be uh, affected by feedback was Thomas Kirby, who um, it was Paula Mason on the firefighters and Thomas Kirby on the, I don't know, Dallas stakes. Mm. Um, And what happened is Thomas Kirby is been, created to be the norm core player. He is a normal, <laughs> absolutely normal human who listens to normal music and he has nothing like he is supposed to have absolutely nothing notable about his life being aggressively normal. And so his only thing that is interesting about him is he's the first player affected by feedback. And I find that just delightful. His quote is, you can call me Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's wonderful. He, uses, he also canonically uses two in one shampoo and conditioner. That's what <laughs> and he's the first person. It's efficient. I it's love efficient. it. Yeah. There were a lot of notable um, player swaps this season because of the, the feedback thing. Previously uh, player swaps, I think only happened because of uh, like blessings, which get voted on. Yes. And I think mechanically I'm really in love with the feedback mechanic because yes. like I, I it's like so much better. Pl- swapping players between teams is great. It improves the game in a bunch of ways. I think it's really important uh, to keep things moving player, you know, new players coming around old players, leaving your team. It keeps things fresh. Um, but also like the fact that previously all of those player swaps were happening because somebody voted for something made it feel not exactly antagonistic to me, but like it felt like it was somebody coming in and taking something away from you in a way. Right. Yes. It set up the possibility for antagonism right. um, in ways that sort of felt 
I would say counterproductive to the spirit of baseball. Yeah, yeah. But whereas like feedback, it's, you know, there's nothing more baseball than feeling like put upon by the gods, right? Like than, <laughs> than, than, than feeling wronged by the heavens and, you know, yes. whatever happens is, is the fault of the, of uncaring, unfeeling gods looking down on you, making you play baseball 24 seven for 99 days in a row. So I really love the feedback mechanic, and there were a lot of really notable swaps. Um, the one that I had the biggest laugh about was on the 25th, uh, Workman Gloom, a character, uh, a character, a player for the Shoe Thieves, um, uh, got swapped to the Moist Talkers mid-game uh, and immediately proceeded to hit two home runs off of their former teammate, Beasley Gloom, who, according to the the lore of the the uh, the shoe thieves, was Workman's dog. So he got swapped <laughs> away from his team and then then hit home runs off of his own dog, which is just so <laughs> messed up. <laughs> uh, I like this game. I love it. The, the rumor was that um, the Thomas Dakota hit a ground up to Edric Tosser. The rumor was that that happened because feedback tried to swap the two of those characters to get each other <laughs> and that's why the oh i like down. that i like that a lot that it and went into said, an infinite loop oh yeah i love it and that's i love why it the site went down. so uh they defied the gods there, there were a lot of others uh the, the only one that hit the spies i was following you know, I've, I've been supporting the spies mm-hmm. this uh this this time around and the only one that, that hit us was uh we swapped uh young ho benitez uh to the pies the philly pies in exchange for Morrow wilson doesn't seem like it's had a major effect on our standings we still sucked this year uh <laughs> again um but then um but then Pies Pies had another swap with Jessica Telephone, which we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Wild. I, I have to say, I love that swap, actually, uh, from a narrative stand, standpoint. Like, obviously, as a Tigers fan, you know, I'm going to miss Jessica. But from a narrative standpoint, I really like the parallelism of her getting swapped back to another team that she's been on before. Yeah, yeah. It, it's random, but it also feels kind of right. Like, it feels like something yeah. that would happen in sports, right? Like, really high profile players sometimes move around like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a, like a saying in sports that like at the end of the day, you're just rooting for laundry because <laughs> you will just be rooting for like the team and the jerseys. And it, you know, your favorite player may get traded to the other team, and but you're still going to root for your favorite team. And, uh, you may still like that person, but they're on the other team now. They're gone. Your your favorite team is your favorite team, and uh, bl- bl- baseball takes that to the most extreme, right? Because your your favorite player may be incinerated by rogue umpires. They may be swapped mm-hmm. mid game. They may be like randomized into oblivion during a blessing or yeah, something. They may like get that. exploratory like you, surgery yeah. that turns them into yeah, a completely ineffective player, like. Yeah, and then be like, "Hell yeah, do it again!" <laughs> yeah. I love, I love the unlimited tacos and how they've responded to this. Uh, they they got um, for those those of you who don't know, they got the explore, uh, exploratory surgeries blessing that they really wanted, uh, which rerolls your three worst pitchers, which they had. So uh, it, it rerolled their worst pitcher. He got worse. It rerolled that pitcher again. He got even worse. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and then they he he got rerolled again. Uh, and is now worse. So oh congratulations to the you tacos. Got ex- it's exploratory. It's yeah, exploratory. I, condolences I think, um, to the tacos. <laughs> I love it, though. Well, they've embraced it. Uh-huh, I love they it. They think it's great, and I yeah. love that for them. And I want to hear from you guys more about your teams 
Um, because uh, one of the quirks about uh, the mm-hmm. Chicago firefighters, uh, I, I've said at the top of the show, our phrase is kind of ominous. It's we are from Chicago. Um, <laughs> they've taken this to a ridiculous extreme that is, if you are on the team, you have always been from Chicago. Um, you were never from anywhere else. And because we're trading players randomly through feedback, um, someone in the Discord said it best when they said, I look at other people's rosters and I think, which of these will have always been from Chicago? So it's, <laughs> we are keeping on the wiki that they, have, they are from Chicago even after they leave. So eventually the whole league will be from Chicago. I love it. I love it. That's really good. Uh, yeah. We, that's one of, there's a real joy in like having some crummy players, like, which is a weird thing, but like, so our, um, when I say our, I'm talking about the spies, the Houston spies, mm-hmm. the, the theme of the team is that, bang, bang. yeah, bang, bang. The theme of the team is that they are spies and, uh, or rather the sort of the theme of the team is more along the lines of like, of course we are a normal baseball team. There is nothing going on behind the scenes that, that would, that would indicate that we are anything other than a perfectly normal baseball team and not a front for anything else. Can I say for non baseball fans or non Houstonians that this is one of the, the clear baseball references mm, yeah. in Blazeball? Mm is that there was a scandal this year uh, for the Houston Astros in which they were shown to have been stealing signs uh, from opponent teams. So, mm-hmm. which, uh, for, which, we were, which we were doing um, in the most low-tech way possible, uh, putting people in the stands in a, in a position to see the signs and then uh, hitting a trash can. Uh, bang, bang. And... Yeah, bang bang. <laughs> it's a real That's mess. Amazing. It's it's a real mess. Yeah, it really is. Real, uh, real actual baseball, ladies, too, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah. People people love it. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't actually so much. So funny thing about it, like when I went into baseball, uh, you know, you log in or you create an account, and the very first thing that it asks you to do before you get any sense of anything at all about your teams or or the game or anything is it asks you to pick a team. And then changing teams is actually kind of difficult. You have to play for a while in order to save up enough uh, uh, coins. You have to have 2,000 coins in order to blow the Fairweather flute and change your tune or your your team. But your tune, sure, why not? Um, and uh, so I, I chose the Houston Spies not because I was particularly enamored of their lore. I wasn't. And I'm honestly still not. It's not my favorite of all the teams in terms of lore. Um, I chose it because I happened to be in the Houston area and thought, well, I don't know anything else about this game. Why not choose my local team, right? Like you do in sports. Um, but they really won me over over the course of the year. Like the my initial plan at the beginning of the year was I'm going to get 2,000 coins and I'm going to change to some other team. And at, at first I was thinking I was going to change to the Hades Tigers because they seem to be winning. Uh, and they also seem to have pretty fun characters on their team. And then I, I was thinking to myself, I'm probably more of a Hawaii Fridays man. The Hawaii Fridays are, are tiki. real tiki, you right? You make custom drinks for every member of the yeah, team. Yeah, I like Fridays. tiki drinks. I yeah. love I love going to Hawaii. I'm going to join the Fridays. But the 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 spies really won me over over the course of this season because they really own not being a good baseball team in a couple of ways. One is is that they're. Um, uh, you know, there, there's really a philosophy that like 
winning is not the goal of the spies. They have secret goals that are not known to outsiders, right? Winning, uh, our goals are not aligned with victory. Um, and so the, the spies have, uh, they have other stuff going on other than trying to win at baseball. Um, and also our star player, we have, we have a terrible lineup. We have no offense whatsoever. We can't get anybody on base. We can't, can't hit at all, but we have one player, Math Velasquez. It's a great name. Great name. Math Velasquez is a zero star pitcher. And yet he manages to seemingly, we tell ourselves, I'm not sure how much of this is imagination and how much of this is reality, but we tell ourselves, Math is a really solid pitcher, especially for someone who has zero stars in pitching. So the the lore around Math Velasquez is that Math Velasquez is literally made of math. He is a he is a mathematical function that has learned to play baseball and become self-aware. Mm-hmm. And good for him. yeah, good for him, right? And his goal is proud. to become the first player to have negative stats, something that seems impossible, but math can do it. And uh and so he's trying to become the first completely negative uh baseball player. Uh and we all really support him in that, which is why the the big concern on the team once it became clear that we were going to be shut out of the playoffs once again was to make sure that we don't get any blessings that increase math's scores and if possible go for blessings that decrease them um and uh, we're we're all really lined up behind math and and trying to support him in his journey of becoming negative yeah the lore that i hear most is um you know always bet on anything that's you know, 65 or above or 55 or above, but don't bet on spies games because they are spies and they are tricky. And it, it seems like people believe that the stats are off for the spies to the point that the games are erratic. Is that mm-hmm. a thing that the I, spies... Uh, I say don't, don't bet or? on the spies unless math is on the mound and then go all in on spies. I bet on the spies sometimes as long as their percentage is lower than 30. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well, who knows? I've actually won several games this season betting on the spies Mm. uh, when they were under 35. Um, I mean, I, I, out of solidarity, I bet on almost every spies game. Um, and I haven't done that badly. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I bet keep my bets kind of manageable and I really only put in max bets on the spies when math is on the mound. And that's been treating me pretty Mm well. I'll just say it's been a rough two seasons for the magic. We have been right on the edge of the playoffs Mm. two years in a row now or two seasons in a row very frustrating but you know what season five it's our season i am uh i i've never been more confident in this ragtag group they they you know they they show up to the to the gym early they're the last to leave they play a hard <laughs> nine uh you know it's just a great group of animals and wolves and wizards and stuff that are just really here to support each other and uh and i i couldn't be more proud to be a magic fan and i am uh ready for season five i love it i can't wait for it Kat, I'd love to hear a little more about some of the other teams' vibes, people who are looking to pick a team. I mean, obviously, we, we say, like, go read the baseball explainer uh, if you don't know anything and you still haven't after listening to this podcast. But as for picking a team, um, other ones we haven't talked about that you want to give a yeah. peek into their vibe? Absolutely. So I have to say, I really I really do love uh, the Yellowstone magic. Um, I think that there's a really cool... Uh, mysterious laid back vibe to y'all. Um, I also really, really love the Hellmouth Sunbeams. Mm. Um, it's just 
the Helm of Sunbeams um, are a team that's just really, really excited about uh, uh, when they're bad, when they're good, just having a really good time. I think it's probably uh, because they are on the Hellmouth and they're like, we're going to be the Sunbeams. Like, it's just a really great vibe between that contrast. And I think they've really embraced that kind of of joy in that <laughs> yeah. in where they are, wherever they are. And, and I just I find them so delightful. As a Buffy fan, I almost chose the uh, Hellmouth Sunbeams as well. Um, two two other teams I, I feel like I really have to shout out um, are the Garages, who have one of the most consistent voices in Blazeball. Oh, yeah. Um, they just come across as these disaffected grunge uh, uh, folks. Um, they have... I'm confused about whether or not they are a band who is a sports team or if they are a sports team that is also a band. Uh, but they're definitely both. Uh, as far as I can tell. Uh, and I really love that. Yeah, and if it's not clear, uh, there is a significant amount of music created by and for the Seattle garages. I, fans of the, of the yeah. team have been creating like full on EPs worth of music. It's pretty incredible. There's also a zine, um, which is again, very grunge Seattle that has been made. Uh, uh, full disclosure, I did uh, do some contributions to it. Uh, but it, it, it feels very good. It's a, it's, it begins as a kind of, uh, um, uh, a disagreement with the jazz hands and then rapidly devolves into the garages realizing they don't actually know that much or really dislike the jazz hands. Um, <laughs> and it's a, a fun little piece of sort of grunge history that way. Um, but yeah, it's a really clear aesthetic, uh, that, that that's really sort of fun to play with. Um, yeah, it's 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 a little disaffected. Uh, they're they are not a great team. They are fine with not being a great team, as far as I can tell. Um, and they they kind of enjoy it. Uh, they have a, a pitcher, Mike Townsend, who is legitimately mechanically terrible. Um, I don't believe he has zero stars, but uh, he's he's not great. Um, there are several songs about Mike Townsend that the garages have written, which has to be really hard when your team writes songs about how bad you are. Yeah. But, uh, sorry, Mike. You know, he endures. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. Uh, I love that. Almost every, every time we've talked about a team that is like, has not done well so far, it's always just flipped like, Oh, they embrace it though. That's just part of the vibe of that team. And I, and I think that is like cornerstone to baseball is it doesn't really yeah. matter what's happening in front of you. It doesn't matter if you've won two seasons in a row. No one's impressed. <laughs> what really, what's really matters is you is what you're supporting and what your team is doing. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say about like picking a team is like the, the best thing is go by vibe, not by really anything about yes. like the, the theming necessarily and yeah. not by the, uh, the location surely, which was like, I, I was won over by the spies, but like, you know, I, I probably shouldn't have picked just my local team. Uh, I probably should yes. have gone with something more, more sort of based on vibe. And something I was going to recommend with that is that if you want to get sort of a sampling of that vibe, uh, before you create your account, there's no reason you can't create an account on the Blazeball Discord first before going into yes. the uh, the actual game itself. And the Discord is set up and managed really, really well. And they've got a nice little system where you can choose what team you're in and it gives you access to your team's Discord channels. And you can switch that up. You can change team as much as you want if you want. And, and it'll just swap you out to whatever team you want to be on. If you want to just sort of go in and kind of do a vibe check on each of the teams you're interested in and see what their, their discord is like, do that. I would recommend doing that before if you kind of want to take the time. Yes. So 
or, you know, hell, it's not that hard to put together 2000 coins and change teams if you want. Or even just checking the Twitter accounts uh, yeah. of, of the, uh, cause on Twitter, uh, every team has like a, an official unofficial Twitter account. Um, and it's pretty easy to sort of get a sense of like the fan art that's there, the vibes, um, really liked the Miami Dale again, <laughs> uh, not one of the best teams in the league tweeting today. We've never lost a playoff game, which is true because they've never made the playoffs. And it's just so much fun. Love it. And they are party time chat kings and queens. Oh, yeah. They are the ones keeping that. I'm really enjoying party time. We mentioned that earlier, but to explain, party time is when you're in baseball, when your team is mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, uh, then canonically, your team is in party time and cannot stop partying until the end of the playoffs. And what that means in terms of the game is that you get added to the party time discord channel, which is the most frenetic discord channel I've ever been in. It is nothing but nonstop party gifts and chants, And it was wild and Playlists. really fun to be a part of. Fun fact. Uh, if you win the championship, you are added to party time and cannot post. You have to watch everybody else party, and I love it. Oh, that's too good. It's fantastic. Yeah, they've done some great things with the Discord. The Party Time channel, everyone in the channel is given access to delete messages and to pin messages, (laughs) which adds to the general cacophony of it. It's just too weird. (laughs) <laughs> it's they've done incredible work maintaining the Discord I love server. it so much um, but yeah the, the last thing I want to say about choosing a team is that it's much more about the vibes and it's really not about a team record I really really encourage you not choosing a team based on record and I know that sounds like really obvious for somebody on the Haiti Tigers to say <laughs> but like our, I know I know I know uh-huh, but sure. like our team motto is never look back like okay cool this playoff win is behind us all right what's ahead like I, I am invested in the team uh, going forward, whatever happens, uh, whether or not we continue you know, to be this good or not. Um, what I like is the feeling around it, the ferocity of the Tigers, you know, how kind violence. of on point it feels. Yeah, exactly. The spirit of violence. I like the narratives we've built up. Like, we could be the worst team next season and I would still be a proud Tiger. And so that's really the spirit that I encourage you to go into uh, supporting your team with. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I would hate a uh, Chicago firefighter fan if I met them in Chicago. <laughs> like, I, I know exactly <laughs> the neighborhood they live in. They're the people I hated when I lived there. But it's really fun to be part of that Discord because, you know, yeah. the bros, they're a really good Discord. So love it, love it. I'll enjoy it as long as it lasts. So I think the th- the last thing I wanted to talk about before we before we start wrapping up is like this is such a unique and bizarre thing. I've never I've never experienced anything like baseball before. And um you know, I don't know how, how, I, part of the reason I was so excited to have Kat on the episode is that as a as a narrative designer, I know you've been looking at this thing. Obviously, you're appreciating it as a fan, but I know you're probably looking at it from a uh, from a like design perspective as well. And I, I really want to know, like, what do you think? How do you think this has achieved this success? And like, what do you think about this is so unique? Or what do you, what what design ideas can can uh, you know other designers gain from this really weird success? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially because it's so idiosyncratic. Um, I think I've described it as a live service proc gen MMO, (laughs) which is a wild list of words together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess the first, the first piece of advice I have is don't try to replicate lightning in a bottle. 
Um, like don't necessarily try to make the next blaze ball in the same way, which isn't to say, you know, don't do a live service prop gen MMO. Just, you know, I think, I think what blaze ball does is it really has leaned into a lot of the weirdness it's, it's created and, and kind of like really, um, cultivated that in really satisfying ways. So, so the thing that I would say is like, understand what the core of, your, your narrative strengths are and lean into that. Um, and, and, and for what I think it is about Blazeball is this sense of, I've, I've kind of been thinking about Blazeball lately in terms of Legos. Um, you've got all of these tiny little pieces that snap together to make these larger pieces of narrative. Um, and then those larger pieces fit together to make these even larger, more visible arcs that you can kind of see even if you're not really looking that closely at a team, for instance. Um, and you don't have to follow like how those, those pieces like snap together. You don't need to know, you know, exactly what Workman Gloom's, you know, RBIs are this season. Um, shout out to, to the people at Sivir who the society, society for internet baseball research who actually are tracking this kind of thing. Um, but you can get attached to like whatever small pieces you like, whether that's a player or a team's like particular narrative arc. And then once you have kind of got attached to them, you begin to kind of see them everywhere. Stuff just automatic. It's not automatic, right? It's, it's the way the game is structured, but um, you begin to sort of trace out that pattern. The game gives you enough information for you to latch onto the narrative that you've seen emerge and follow and, and really pay that off in satisfying ways. Um, and things are kind of disconnected, right? So if Mike Townsend has a really good game, that doesn't necessarily mean that Mike Townsend will have a really good game the next time. Um, so you can cheerfully go back to, to being angry at him uh, <laughs> for pitching a really bad game. Uh, but it also means that if Mike Townsend pitches a really bad game, it doesn't necessarily screw the Seattle garages over. Um, and so what Blazeball is doing is it has a bunch of different emergent threads that can happen in a bunch of different ways. So, as, as, a, as a designer, what I'm really interested in is how they intersect, but also how they're, they're, um, they're what Emily Short calls orthogonal uh, to each other. Basically, that they interact, but they're not necessarily completely dependent on each other in a way that creates sort of like overlapping content. When I was looking at your Lego metaphor in the uh, outline, I, I was thinking of it as like, it's the Legos that you inherit as like a second or third child. There's like 18 <laughs> different sets and none of them match. And yes. you're picking up like a picture from the discord here, a tweet from the commissioner here, a server outage you happen to see. And then like uh, a misheard thing from like, mm-hmm. you know, something about Mike Townsend and you're trying to piece this together into your own little fandom simulator. I haven't seen anything since like, I haven't felt like this since Yahoo Groups Harry Potter yes. theory fandom. Oh my god! Like, when I was a teenager, where people would get crazy and have time travel, you know, and all this like weird acronym wars, people would try to come up with the most elaborate acronyms. Like that's the kind of stuff that's happening here. And to me, I think the reason I like it is it's it feels like they on paper built a sports simulator, but in practice they built a fandom simulator. Mm. Well, uh, so. Th- and I, and I, I may struggle to articulate this, but like narrative in real sports is constant. 
That is why there is 24-7 channel. That's why there's eight different versions of ESPN. That's why there's all these different Fox, Fox sports shows. Everyone is trying to tell a story around like just the raw stats of a game. What this guy, you know, had three home runs last night because he was mourning the death of his father and not, and, and he really wanted to go out and show the world that he, uh, you know, he was still there and that he was turning this grief into, into power or, mm-hmm. or he is on a bad streak right now because at home, you know, there, we saw last weekend that his, his girlfriend like left in a huff, like sports is constantly trying to create narratives out of on field play, but it's yes. always very, very serious. It, it's like trying to justify actual real world things. And what baseball has, has allowed is for that same thing, but with just insanity. Uh, and, and like anything goes, it's silly. It doesn't matter. There's not actually real people on the other side of this. So it doesn't matter if you, if, if you change them into a fire truck, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's all, it's all silly. So it, it's like, it, I think there's been, now we know there's been like a desire, I think, to turn like the the self seriousness of sports into a little bit of insanity, and I think yeah. baseball has opened this door to adding a silliness to sports that I think people who actually are involved in sports are like desperately try to avoid, but everyone yeah. else just really wants to do. Uh, and I think that this is is that too, and I I, I think it's like. I think it's genius. And I, you know, I don't know if that was their intent. Like part of me thinks that the developers just were like, what if we reverse engineered that silly uh, Japanese baseball game list of names into an actual environment? Or if they were actually like, let's give a a, a place for storytelling around baseball. But like either way, it's, it's people have found an outlet for it. And I, and I think it's, it's, it's actually way more, satisfying and interesting to say that this person is actually a wolf than it is mm-hmm. to watch a baseball game and try to add narrative to that. Like uh, they try it's, it's unnecessary in real sports and it's necessary in this and it's fun. So I, I, I hope more people go to this for that rather than <laughs> real baseball. And it feels so much better that, there is never going to be an official canon decreed from on high. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like yes. a lot of other game spaces and a lot of other fandom spaces, you create all of this lore, you come up with the series, and then like someone says, no, I am the, like the author's voice is legit, and this is what is actually happening. Yeah, you you say that, Laura, and then Disney's going to buy Blaseball, and they're going to say all this is going to be the uh, whatever... <laughs> They say the extended universe is now, and there's going to be. They're going to put it in the vault, and you're yeah, not going to get gonna a good be, copy. But then, Kingdom but Hearts is going to have a baseball level. And but the bright oh. side of this is Jessica Telephone will be a Disney princess. So we'll uh, put all. Put Jessica Telephone in Smash. Yeah. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> all right. I'm into it. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm so glad that we talked about this, and because, like, I don't know if I would have. I was curious about baseball, but I don't know if I would have followed mm-hmm. it as deeply as I did this week if I didn't, 
you know, plan on talking about it with all of you. And I'm really, really glad mm-hmm. that I did. It's taught me a little something about myself. You know, I, the, the guy who thought he hated sports has learned a little bit about what exactly about sports he could enjoy. Uh, and, uh, I think it's, it's really fascinating from a game design perspective. And, uh, and I'm so glad that we had you on the show, Kat, to talk about it. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I really adore Blazeball. I think it's doing really, really interesting things, both with emergent narrative and with building a community around games. Um, So I'm always delighted to talk about it. And I love your podcast. So thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much. That's very flattering. And I I think we'll probably need to call it here, given that, wow, we've talked for an hour and a half about Blazeball. So... So uh, yeah. first of all, thank you so much, listeners, for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find uh, all of our past episodes. You'll find our show notes page, which is searchable if you're curious about games we might have covered in the past. We've been doing this a long time. Uh, you can find our a link to our Patreon or patreon.com slash The Short Game, which is where you can, for even just a dollar a month, you can immediately get access to our Discord, which may not be quite the same as the Blaseball Discord, but it is the place where we talk about the games we're playing, we plan the show, and you can get in on the conversations that become the conversations on this program. So uh, if you're interested in joining us, please check that out. Yeah, we have a Blaseball channel on our Discord. So if you just have not got enough Blaseball Discord... (laughs) You can come to ours. Yes, absolutely. It was like a safe space where the volume was totally yes. down. Way we able to down. go, hi, what happened? And then we would explain before they went back to the Yeah, Discord. if you post something, it won't immediately be like 100 Very. posts behind. Well, actually, <laughs> people people will see it. Yes, yes. If you need a place to ask questions about Blaseball, we're happy to to field those as best we can. Um, you can also uh, find us on Twitter at underscore short game, and you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? Also on Twitter at 8BitShane. And Nate, where can people find you? At Nate STL. And Kat, where can people find you and all of your exciting work? Uh, you can unfortunately find me on Twitter at Catacalypto. <laughs> Uh, that's C-A-T-A-C-A-L-Y-P-T-O. And uh, you can also find my Blazeball and other emergent narrative writings at catacalypto.substack.com. That is spelled the same way. Yes. Oh, I was also going to briefly mention that you had a uh, an IF work that was, we did an episode on the, uh, the itch bundle for racial justice and equality a little while back. And one of your yes. works was in that. Um, so I was just going to point people to that if they're curious about your your work. And, uh, you know, we we mentioned it on that episode. I think Laura uh, talked about it in uh, for a little while. But I, I just wanted to point people back towards that. That game was called What Sorry, what isn't saved will be lost. That's correct. Yeah, and it's really it's really a great piece of IF. So if you uh, if you are interested, uh, go check that out. And of course, everywhere uh, cat can be found on the internet. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Short Game. <laughs>